says at the beginning of every service. Is it too late? That's fine. You should, should know it by heart, but uh, there, there it is. Um, if we can go ahead and just say that together, stand up and say that together. Okay, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as a learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. And one of the reasons why I wanted to start off with that is when I first came to this church, um, this is the first church I went to that said that, and I have to be honest with you, if you can pull up the last, I'm sorry, <laughs> we'll leave it up, the, 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 la, the, the second page of that. And when it, and it says, the Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. When I said rebellious, it tweaked something in me. And I don't know what it was that got tweaked in me. Um, to give a little history, we had moved back, I went to... My family and I moved to Colorado to go to Bible college. I was working for a ministry. At that time, I was still doing some books for that ministry. You know, you think that you're doing what God's called you to do. Why would you get tweaked at, (laughs) I was not rebellious? And I didn't like it. You know, and I I wish I, I could say that the first time I said it, it went away, but it didn't. And it took a couple times. And then I kind of, you know, everyone, when we think about rebellion, this is not my message, but when you think about rebellion, you know, you think about God telling you to do something and you're not doing that thing. But you think about rebellion being, okay, you're not supposed to drink and you drink. Or you're not supposed to gossip and you gossip. Or that's what my whole thinking about rebellion. But God was dealing with my thought life. And I don't know, in, in the, I can't even tell, remember what I was thinking about at that time. But I, well, I, I can, now I'm kind of recalling a little bit of that. <laughs> um, when you go off to a, to a Bible college and you get an opportunity to, to teach to hundreds of people, you know, you can get pretty full of yourself. And I did. You can think you're, you know, as Andrew says, all that in a bag of chips. I thought I was like two bags of chips. I really did. I acted humble, but what I thought was different. It didn't line up to how I was acting. And, um, and I worked for a ministry, and I was the business manager, and I was responsible for all. I, I negotiated rates with, with networks, you know, and people thought I was real smart, you know. I didn't let them see all the mistakes I made getting there, but... Uh, but so you're being used for God and you're seeing guy, life's changing and you can just feel pretty good, you know. Well, then, you know, I've shared with y'all, I didn't want to come back to Houston. I loved Colorado. I loved it. And when the Lord told me to come back, this is a, rebe- this is a, rebellious, a rebellious thought. I'm driving down. I forgot what road. It may have been Union. I don't know. It's the one... It's not Austin Bluffs, but it's the one next to that. Joy might know which one it was. It doesn't matter, but you've got this beautiful view of the, of the mountains. And I was driving down, and the Holy Spirit just said, you're going to miss that. <laughs> and my rebellious thought was, no, I'm not. <laughs> I like it here. God, you brought me here. 
you know. And I did not give that um, <clears throat> a lot of consideration. I wanted just to forget that. that. And then, I don't know, maybe a week later, maybe a few days later, I don't know, I was driving down another road with, with Pikes Peak being in, in, in front of me, and the Holy Spirit said again, you're going to miss that. And I'm like, I don't like that. And I was like, okay, God, if this is you, you've got you to show me this is really you, because I'm in a pretty good place here, you know, Okay, I'm in a good place here, and let's paraphrase this. I feel like I'm successful where I am. People are impressed with me. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's be real. You know, I wish I was, had more humility. I, I'm learning humility as, as I'm walking through things, but, but I just did not like that idea, and lo and behold, guess what? The, the ministry I work for came up to me and said, Karen... Are you supposed to move back to Houston? And so we hopped on a plane to find a house and, and made a decision. And, and, and we had three days to find a house and buy a house. <clears throat> and it's pretty amazing. You know, um, uh, my stepson was our realtor and he wanted us to look at this one house, but I didn't want to look at that house. It was ugly. You know, pictures were awful. Didn't want to look at it. And. God may have been trying to get me to look at that house, but I just had nothing to do with it. But um, one of the things I did do, because my husband and son flipped houses, and if you weren't looking at houses with them, you stayed there too long. Women, you know it. You can walk into a house, and you know if you like it or not. So if you don't like it, you don't need to see anything else about that house. The home has a feel to it, mainly in the kitchen and the family room, that, those in the master. That's what you're really concerned about, you know. And, but I'd have to wait for my husband and son to just look at every. Even look outside at the water spigot. You know, I mean, just, it would take too long. So my friend and I, we'd get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and we'd go look at the houses beforehand, so I'd have a short list of what I wanted to look at. And needless to say, um, this one house, it just couldn't go away. And so I thought, well, we're driving by it, we'll look at it. So it made it to the list. And when I walked into the house, I knew it was the house. I just knew. Now... The house was bigger than I wanted, nicer than what I wanted. Sounds kind of strange, you know, because it's nicer than what I wanted. I think it was nicer than what I could trust God for, to be honest with you. And um, so <clears throat> we made an offer on the house and got on a plane, and, and, uh, and I'm blessed with that house. But the thing I'm most blessed about the house is the house put me three minutes away from this church. It put me in a position where I had to drive by this church everywhere that I went. Now, why did it take me a year to finally come to this church? Because I was looking, and I feel like that was the Lord. I really do. Because I had to do some searching first. And it, I, I learned a lot during the, the search process. But when we finally did come here, Ruth, we, we knew this is where we were supposed to be. And so we come here, and I kind of, this is... You know, so after like searching for about a year, going to a lot of different churches, we come here, and then the, you know, like before the sermon even starts, I was not rebellious. You know, it tweaks me, but even with me being tweaked, I knew that this is where I was supposed to be, and I and and I know that although I may not be faithful in things, God is always faithful. 
You know, that's what's so wonderful about God. And I've tested that. You know, I wish I could say I was always did the right thing, right timing, and I did it the first time. But I'm so thankful that when I'm not faithful, my Lord is faithful. And um, that helps you kind of get over yourself a little bit too. <laughs> you know, it's really easy if you've done everything right. You can think you're deserving everything you get, you know, especially if it's good stuff. And I learned a lot during that. So that's, that's just a, a side note on that story. And maybe this is like another side note. So I want to encourage you guys that if, you, if you've been rebellious just in your thought life, you can always repent. And repent isn't about, oh, God, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. And then after you feel bad for a while and you put the dust on you and you mourn for a while, you're forgiven. Repent just means you turn the other direction. So just turn the other direction. You know, it's, it'd be great if I wouldn't have to be told twice or three times to do something if I could do it the first time. Now, thankfully, now you can look back at it, you know, you could say, well, if I would have listened to the Lord sooner, I may have, may have had more time to find out. <laughs> you know, it would have been less stressful. Okay, I truly believe that was the house I was supposed to get. But by me not being obedient to the first call, I added more stress to my life. So if you want to add stress to your life, wait until God knocks you over with the word. But... If you don't want stress, just do it the first time. Learn from my mistakes, you know. And so now we're going to get on. <laughs> it's kind of fun. I'm starting off with another mistake. I didn't know I was, I was going to be doing this because my original lesson plan that I was going to teach on, and it's, I think it's kind of going in that same vein, is that there is protection in submission. And the pastor asked me to, to teach. And I, I teach. I, I was here for, I don't know, maybe a year year and a half, two years, I don't know, before I started teaching Sunday school. And it's kind of funny. Teaching Sunday school um, has been real good for me. It's been real good for me in, in consistency. It's been real good for me to be seeking out the word. It's been real good for me. Um, I get more out of my lessons probably than any of the, the, the people that come listen to me. I learn so much in those things. I can't even describe. I'm so thankful that I get to do that. And, and I hope it blesses some of the people that come there. But uh, I hope it blesses all of them, to be honest with you. So the pastor came to me one day, and he said, uh, he, said um, I t- uh, um, um, that he, he, uh, he asked me he asked me to preach, you know, teach on the Sunday. Wednesday he was going to be gone. And then he came, like, a, like the next day, the next service, and asked me what I was going to preach on. And I said, Submission. And the pastor goes, oh, good, the men are going to like that, you know. And I'm thinking, well, why are the men going to like that, you know? You know, you know, um, you know and uh, I thought maybe, you know, maybe, you know, he thinks I'm going to tell you men, t- tell your women to get in line and submit to your men, you know. Maybe that's what, you know, he's, he's uh, thinking that maybe that's what a man would like. Um, and uh, it was kind of funny, what got me thinking about submission was the Father's Day message. And I want to start off with saying that was an awesome message. Okay. I didn't realize how awesome it was until I listened to it the third time. Because the first time I heard it, I didn't like it. 
<laughs> Got to be honest. You know, and why didn't I like it? I'll tell you why I didn't like it. And we're going to cover that. And the, and, and the Lord used that message to correct my way of thinking. So I want to encourage you that if you're hearing something being taught and it tweaks you, or you say, well, that's not what I've been taught, go to the Word. Now, I can tell you our pastor preaches from the Word. He doesn't make up any doctrine. Okay? But you know what? I can tell you that, but it's better for you to go into the Word yourself and see what the Word says for itself. That way, the enemy, you're not going to go before someone said, well, I believe in the Word of my pastor, good luck. You know, you don't go in the name of the pastor, good luck. You know, he said, you know, in the name of Jesus, you say the Word said this. And the Word has the power. Our pastor leads us and encourages us to follow the word. It's not so that we, he does the word for us. He's encouraging us. We have a good leader. We have a leader that prays over us, that loves us, that serves us, that protects us, who walks in authority, who understands his position. I mean, wow, we have an excellent leader. And it's wisdom to follow him. Me knowing that, I still got tweaked, (laughs) you know. And um, so now we're going to get to what, I like to say, tweak concerned me, you know. And, um, or bottom line is, I was offended by something I thought that I heard. And you know what? I wasn't the only one that thought that they heard this. Because I had other women come up to me and say, ask me questions about it. So I wasn't the only one that misheard it. So maybe that's why I'm talking about it today. And I, so I, I'm not going to look at any women here because I don't want to point out everyone turned up that one and that one. No, <laughs> we all you know, got offended. No, but when the, the pastor said, and this is, this is the thing he said, he said, it's not right for the wife to leave the house when it comes to God. He said, the father is the priest of the home. That's what tweaked me. You know, and I can tell you, you know, so this is, this is Karen's rambling. Other women, you may have had some other rambling in your mind, but this kind of went to, to what, you know, what offended me was, that's not what I experienced. Well, let me tell you, what you experienced may not be right. <laughs> the word is right. What the word says is right. And um, so, because um, and, and what I experienced in my home was I was the one that had the passion for God in my house. I was the parent that prayed and studied the word. I, uh, the children knew that I was the spiritual one um, and in our house. And, you know, and, and, and there was a point in, in, in my marriage where my husband didn't even go to church. Uh, there was times when he didn't really want to go to church. You know, but he went anyway. Um, um, my husband was a good man, and I don't want to, to talk bad about him at all. He was a wonderful man, and I'm so blessed that I married him. I'm so thankful that I married him. But he did not lead in spiritual things. I would have to beg him to pray, even when he was sick. I did the praying. It was, it was, it, you know. So, and and I and God. When it was going to Bible college, God told me. Every major move that we had in our life, God told me. Okay? So now our pastor is saying what I did wasn't right? That's where my offense took place. 
So what do you do? You go back to the Word. And I want to go back to the Word. And the Word does say clearly that the husband is the head of the the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. So I want to read that in Ephesians 5, 15. Um, It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to uh, debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from the Spirit. Sing and make noise from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence. Now, I'm adding more about the submitting part, but, that's, but, but it's talking about evil days, not to be unwise, and to know what God's will is. Okay? And then he he goes on to say, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, reverence is a feeling or an attitude of deep respect. To be in awe. You know, do I submit that way? I'm trying to now, you know. But then it goes on. So it, 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 that's the, it sets you up for the next verse, the zinger here. You know, wives, submit to your husband, to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, his body of which he, the Savior, he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And I'm going to stop right there. Okay. I did submit to my husband. I even I submitted spiritual things to my husband. I did. You know, so I didn't, have the, I didn't have an issue with submitting to my husband. Okay. I had the issue with the wife can't be the spiritual, you know, you know the head. But there's protection. I'm protected. Okay. God has provided a protection for me as a woman. That's his will for us to be protected. I can tell you as a woman who had to be the lead of the house, it was a stressful situation for me. And, and those women out there that, ha- cause that, that had to get into the word more and, and worry about their husbands and all that kind of stuff, it just got things a little out of order in your house. That wasn't God's perfect will. Yes, we heard from the Lord. You know, God is faithful no matter what. But that wasn't God's perfect will for us. So if your spouse isn't doing what they're doing, that, you know, so, so when I look at that, you say, well, what's, what, what's the problem in that? We could have had a more peaceful household if my husband was the, spirit, was, was the head of our house. We, I would have had more protection. Who knows? I may have learned more if I didn't have to worry about all the little things I worried about. I mean, worry is sin. I'm not saying, but, but it, women and men are different. We think differently. You know, with my husband, he would just say, uh, don't sweat the small stuff. And what does a wife say? The small stuff is the important stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, but if you, the reason 
that women a lot of times sweat the small, the small stuff is they don't trust their husbands going to take care of, it, of, of the big stuff or the small stuff. The husbands don't even see the small stuff, to be honest with you. You know, and so we think that we've got to step in there and take care of things. That's a natural thing that happens in, in a marriage, but also I want to point out that the word is very clear on this. There is protection in being in your right place. You know, there was one time that I was, we were going through something in my family, and the Lord just said real clear to me, you're not the husband. And I didn't like those words, but he didn't leave it right there. He said, you be the wife, and you, do, you be the mother, but what I was doing was confusing my children. It wasn't my husband's inactivity that was confusing them. It was me that was confusing them. And because I was trying to compensate, and my compensation is what confused them. And when I started stopping trying to compensate, and let me tell you something, I was trying, you know, I'm not saying my husband did everything wrong. I was compensating for what I perceived to be wrong. <laughs> so I don't want my husband did a lot of right things. So I don't want to say he didn't. But because he did not study the word and because he did not pray and because he wasn't too interested in going to, to, to church, I had trouble trusting him. I trusted God, but I had trouble trusting him. So I want to say to the husbands, if you want your wife to trust you, step it up. You know, and that's where you get into the next, um, I'm going to get to that because there's more said about the husband's responsibility in this. But also, I want to say to, to the women, Jesus says he's our husband. The word never tells the wife to be the husband. So, if, if you feel that your, your husband isn't in his right position, then you put Jesus in that position. And Jesus, because Jesus says, I'm your husband. And so that's where the, if you're not covered by your husband, you're covered by the word. You're covered by godly principles. Nowhere does it, 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 he doesn't say in here that if you, if if you, if you, if you marry a man that's not going to be the head of your house, he doesn't tell you what to do in that. Your instructions, it doesn't say that the wife submit to their own husbands if the husband is doing, there's no if qualifier in there. See, the wife's put the qualifier in there. It just says, as you do unto the Lord. We can trust as we submit to our husbands as we do unto the Lord. We are protected by that. Now, it is better for our children. It is better for our household. If everybody is in their right place, praise God that God still talked to our household. But, you know, what's interesting is whenever I went to Mark about something the Lord had told me, Mark always agreed. And that makes me think, God may have already been talking to him about that. (laughs) You know, I never said anything to my husband that he goes, oh, my God. You know, even when 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 I said to him about selling our house, quitting our jobs, and going to Bible college, he didn't freak out by that. We discussed it for about five minutes, and we said yes. Well, that tells me God was probably talking to him or trying to talk to him. You know, who knows? 
you know, I know that with me, when it came time to move back, he had to say to me a couple times about coming back. I don't, you know, God is a good God. God does not, God is not a God that goes out of order. So if you have a household, and if your husband isn't, I'm talking to women right now, if you have a household and you're, it, does, it doesn't appear to you <laughs> that your husband is doing what he's supposed to be doing, pray. And you know what? God talks to all of us. God wants a relationship with all of us. But if it is God talking to you, when you submit that to your husband, he'll prepare the way for you in that situation. I've experienced that because we've done some pretty crazy things. And every time I've experienced that, you trust God. The problem we have is, is when God tells us something, you know, we want the sea to part before we get to the, the, the Red Sea. We want the provision before we, we pack our bags. We want everything spelled out, and that's not walking by faith. If God gives you a word for your family, if it's God's word and we act on it, God will part the Red Sea in our spouse if, if need be. And that goes, that goes both ways. And it's kind of funny because, you know, you, you read, I want to read on to the next, the next uh, verses. It gives instruction to the husbands. And it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her and washing with water through the word and uh, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed and cared for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of, one, of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and his wife must respect her husband. <clears throat> and I don't know why I'm, seems like I'm going more towards the, the husband and wife relationship um, because, you know, what happens if you're, you know, a lot, there are a lot of divorcees, a lot of widows in here. And there's, and there's provision for that. And I'll kind of share one scripture that I, that, that, that's a good scripture. But in the word, God gives us a perfect plan for marriage. And that's really a perfect plan for marriage. The family is like a, a mini example of the church, <laughs> you know. And the church is a mini example of the body of Christ. And God just takes everything down to, to the smallest element of the body. And so this is God's perfect plan. And if we, husband and wife, could get our act together, okay, and each stay in our own lane, we could move mountains. There would be a hedge of protection around our children. Instead of ministering confusion to our children, we're, minist we're ministering Love, obedience, submission. 
We're, we're, we're teaching them how to operate in the body of Christ. But we're, we're surprised that as parents, we're not in our, in our right place in our church, and we don't understand why our kids don't want to go to church. Well, mommy and daddy are hypocrites, and we go to a church full of hypocrites. You know, that's kind of, you know, when you talk to some of the kids, that's what they say. I don't want to be a hypocrite. You know, your kids know what's going on. They see you. And I'll, I'll, I'll share one of my, <clears throat> one of my dirties here. Um, I used to, when on the phone, I used to, I used to, you know, I'm a pretty sweet person. <clears throat> but you get one of those solicitors on the phone. <laughs> I, I can be just, I, I don't curse them out, but I'm not very nice. And I get mad at them. Or if, I, if, if, if their customer service isn't good, I would get mad at them. And, and one day, my, my sweet little daughter said, Mom, don't do that. It convicted me. You know, at first, I had to work on not doing that. But you know what? I get more pleasure out of not doing it. I really do. When you do that, it makes it bigger than what it is. You're all full of anger for that little while. But, you know, you'll, you'll be praising Jesus before the call. You get the call, and it's kind of like when someone cuts you off on the road. You know, someone, someone else may have an issue with getting cut off on the road. But I don't know. That was in my home. Nobody else could, nobody else could see me do that. But my daughter did, and I'm thankful that my daughter spoke up because I don't want, I don't want that, that to be coming out of my mouth. I want to be merciful to whoever talk, I talk to on the phone. It's not their fault for one thing, but not only that, I want to be a representation of Christ. Could you see Jesus chewing somebody out on the phone? I don't think so. So, but, um, <clears throat> so you know, in, in, the, in that relationship, we are to submit as a body, it tells us to submit to one another, okay? As a husband and wife, we're to submit to one another, okay? We're, you know, in this church, we submit to one another, but you know what? We have a leader. That's Pastor Goodluck, okay? But we submit to one another, and we submit to him. And, but we have one leader. In the, in, the, in the home, you're submitting to one another, but you've got, you've got one, one person that should be in that lead position, and I don't know if I was more mature, maybe things would have been different. You know, maybe because I was so ready to step in, my husband just said, okay. You know, I, I, you, know you hear all kinds of things taught. I've heard some people say, well, you know, it's shame on the wife for stepping in. And the wife says, well, if I didn't step in, you know. You know. But I think that I'm responsible for what I do. My, your spouse is responsible for what they do. We're also responsible for the effects that we have by what we do. And when in doubt, just go to the Word and do what the Word... It didn't say it was going to be easy, but just go to the Word. But I, one of the things I did love, because I listened to that sermon, it was so funny, the more I listened to it, I had to keep saying, okay, what was it that offended me? And I had to listen to it like three times to hear what it was that it offended me. I think there was more in it that offended me, but I, I think I read more into it. I think that... I don't know. I don't know what was going through my head. I don't think they deleted anything from the sermon. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. But, but it's funny what, what you... That's where you, you want your ear to be trained. Like in that first verse. You want, you want to hear what's really being said. And that's the important thing. And if you don't hear right, you, need, you may have to listen to it again. I can tell you right now, 
I know my pastor. I know my pastor loves me. I know my pastor has put me as a teacher. So he's not saying I, I, I can't hear from the Lord, but it's funny how I built it up in my head. <laughs> you know, um, and, and now that I'm a widow, you know, what, what happens to a widow? If, if your husband is supposed to be the head of your, of, your, of your home and you don't got a husband anymore, then are you just out of luck? No. It's talking about our marriage relationship. This wasn't talking about a relationship of a, of a single person or a widow. It was talking about God's ideal plan. It was funny. I remember when I was at Bible college, this man had a wonderful book on, on raising children. And he gave the example of raising children, how it's important for the children to have a man and a woman, a father and a mother in the house. And it's, it's, that, that, that is the best environment because you know what? I know what, a, is, I know what a woman's responsibility is. I can't teach my sons how to be a man. I shouldn't be teaching them. I mean, if you have to, you have to, you know. But the, most, the, the ideal thing is for a woman to teach a girl how to be a woman and for a father to teach a son how to be a man. That's God's plan for things. That is the order. And yes... Because of divorce and because of death, you don't always have that. And it was funny, there's this one woman that just got so mad about, you know, you know, why is he saying that? That's not the only way. That's not the only way. You know, it's not the only way, but it is the best way. It is good for, a, for children to see their mother submitting to their husband and, their, and the husband loving the mother. See, in my house, my daughter did not get to see her father in a spiritual leadership role. That may have warped her position, her, 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 her view of what to expect in her marriage. You know, because she saw mom do it. And, and, and everyone thinks the way that you do it is the way that you were raised, you know, Everything down from which way the toilet paper goes on the roll, which way you fold your towels. I mean, it's, it's just the way that you were raised, you think it's the right way. The right way is the word. There is a provision in there for divorce and things like that that is in, um, I'll get to it later on, but God doesn't get us, we don't, doesn't get us looking at, looking at the, Second choice, he's showing us the best solution. The best example is this example. We should strive for this example. Husbands and wives should, should, should do their best to live up to what this word is telling you. And if you don't understand it, God will talk to you. I can't tell you how many times that, you know, in, in, my, in our marriage... We needed some healing in some certain areas. And the Lord would tell me to do something. And my response was, why do I have to? I was 40 years old still saying that. Why do I have to? Well, you know what? As long as I said, why do I have to? The problem never got resolved. It wasn't until I started obeying the instructions that the Lord gave me in my situation. Now, I know what the Lord was telling me. I don't know what the Lord was telling my husband. I'm just talking from my, my perspective. 
And I'm very thankful to say that I want to say everything in my marriage got healed because somebody submitted to somebody. It doesn't matter who's the first one. It doesn't matter if he did it the first five times. And it, that Those things don't matter. What matters is, is that you're working in it together. You stay in your lane and you obey the word. And if your wife isn't stepping up, you do what you're supposed to do. You love her anyway. You treat her like she is... <laughs> <laughs> She's not that crazy lady, you know, with all those emotions. You're not, you're not going to point out how, how crazy she is. You know, sometimes a woman is crazy because they're, they're, they feel so uncovered because her husband isn't covering them. So they're just, every emotion out there is just hitting them. And if the husband would step in and take their place, then, then it, it'll, it'll, it'll calm the seas. Okay, on the other side. The man may not know what to do because he sees you, you know, what's going on over here. You can go to the Lord and the Lord can calm your seas so that your husband can trust in you. Nowhere in the word does it give us, gives us an out when it comes to our marriage. And even when it, it comes to um, the scripture, I don't know how much time I got left. Okay. Um, there's, it, in 1 Corinthians... Um, in the 7th chapter, in the 13th verse, it says, A woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing let her live, uh, 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 willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? So if you're in a situation with your spouse, and they may even be acting to the point that they're not saved, how you act in the home can cause them to get right with the Lord. It's not getting in front of them and saying, you need to open up that Bible. <laughs> you need to. That's not what it is. It is showing respect for your husband. It is loving your husband. It is, it, it, it is if your husband's not going to be that, that, that head for you, then, then Christ is the head. He's going to see, Christ can, can, can calm the storms of your emotion. So you, but, but, just in your relationship with the Lord, that might cause your spouse to want to want some of that. What that also does is it takes away some of their excuses for not acting right. You know, if you wait for your excuses, if you wait for a good excuse to act right, you're never going to get a good excuse for it. You know, it's, it's, it's never going to happen. You're not going to see it. Because the one time your husband picks up his underwear is the one time you don't see it, you know, or whatever it might be. My husband was good at picking up his underwear, so I don't want to use a bad example there. But, um, but so, so I'm talking about submitting it in, in the, the, uh, the marriage. We talked about that. I've talked about the fact that if something tweaks you, 
Don't just get mad. Don't just get offended. Get into the word and find out why are you getting tweaked. What's being, I love it, you know, you know what, it could be what demon's getting stirred up. You know, you know sometimes some stuff's got to get stirred up before you want to get it out of your house. And there's one other thing I want to talk about. I'm not sure how much time we have. And another thing that keeps us from submitting is pride. Pride keeps us submitting in a marriage relationship, but pride will keep us from submitting in just about any relationship, in friendships, at work, in a church. And, and um, the Lord addresses this in James 4. And uh, I believe it's the first verse here. I didn't put it on it. So, and it says in verse 4, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your, your desires for pleasure that wars in your members? That's a marriage too, isn't it? Okay. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and, and, and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers, uh, adulterers and adulterers, do, uh, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? When people think about adulterers, they think about, you know, in the marriage bed. Okay. But adultery is turning to the world for comfort. So, so whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And, uh, and then I want to go into the, I don't know what book this is. I just, <laughs> uh, if, uh, the fifth chapter, what, what book was that? Yeah, first Peter, yeah, first, first Peter 5. Um, it, it says, the elders who, who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and am witnessed of sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Serve and uh, serve as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not for being lords over those entrusted you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade. You know, when we were talking about the shepherd, we have a good shepherd here. I mean, when, when, when I was reading that, I've gone to quite a few churches, and I can't read this. No other pastor came to mind <laughs> that I've had, but Pastor Goodluck came to mind on that one there. And then he goes on, and he says in verse 5, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to, the el- to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another, and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, 
be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of grace who called us Called, uh, called us to his eternal glory by Jesus, by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever. Amen. That's such a great example that our walk should be a walk of submission at different levels. There's protection and submission. There's protection in friends the hymns and the, the spiritual songs, I love it. I, ha- I have a, a, a friendship with, with uh, Joy that's, what, 35 years old. And I love that. We're always submitting things to one another. Um, there is a protection in that. There is, I'm, you know, um, there, it, we've experienced some of the same things, but we've experienced a lot of different things, too. We were raised totally different. And in submitting to one another, that just kind of gives, sometimes can just give us a little bit of a course correction. You know, without someone having to hit us over the head, we can just hear what's going on and we can have a simple course correction. Or we may not need a course correction. Sometimes after I talk to her, I'll go back and I'll study something. It, that's, a, that's a friendship that always causes me to turn to the Lord because she's so hard to deal with. No, no, but, but because of, you know, things that she's learning or things that I'm learning, um, it's wonderful to have those kind of relationships. Now, can I have that with everybody in the church? No. But you know what? I can have it with more than one person or more than two people. You know, we should be talking to one another. The, young, the, the older women, we have so much to teach the younger women. But guess what happens when you want to teach a younger woman something? Oh, Mom, it's not that way anymore. I said that to my parents, you know. Um, it's different. Let me tell you something. The enemy doesn't have any new tricks Okay, the same tricks he tried, he's using on you, he, used on, he tried to use on us. I would much rather learn from somebody else's mistakes than my own. You know, it's a lot less painful. There are some things you have to experience yourself in order to get the full effect of it. But I want to encourage the younger women to ask questions. God, pray about it. God would tell you who to talk to. You know, and I remember I was at Bible college, and I won't say the subject, but we, I had in the course of, um, I don't know, a, 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 it, it may have been a month, it may have been a few weeks, I had some young women at the Bible college come in and ask me questions. And I was just thinking, I had never thought that thought in my life. I had never experienced that. And it was strange to me, you know. And I wanted to freak out, to be honest with you. But thankfully I didn't. Maybe the first one I probably went like, you know. But, um, but I went home and I prayed about it. And it was so interesting is the Lord did reveal to me some things. And it was interesting. After it's all said and done, I just asked the Lord. I said, Lord, why would you, because I was raised by the cleavers, okay. My mom didn't wear the pearls. But in my house, my dad was the head of the house. My mother was the homemaker. They, they, my dad loved my mother, and my mother was, it was a great example 
of a marriage, a wonderful example of a marriage. And so I didn't have some of the crazy things that other these girls had come up to me. I didn't experience any of that, you know. I was a virgin when I got married at age 30, which for my generation, that's pretty wild. But and considering I wasn't in the church at the time, it's really, you know. But, um, but I, I just share that. I had a very pure life, even though I wasn't born again yet, because it was, it was, my, it, it was because of the environment that I lived in. My parents, their love was a covering to me. I didn't have to go outside of the home for a father's love. I had a father's love. So I wasn't, I wasn't drawn to, to, to that. Um, yes, I had rebellion, which I thought was really huge. Now I find that it wasn't so huge. But for me, it was huge, you know. Um, but there was a protection that I had in coming out of a home with godly principles. And that's a covering I had. Well, I want that for my children, you know. And but but see, since I had experienced that, but you take someone that wasn't raised like that, they're raised with the divorce, the mama bad mouthing the daddy when when the kids are with the daddy, and the daddy bad mouthing the mom when they're with the mom. So they both have. So your child is sitting there totally confused. They have no idea what a family's supposed to look like. So what do they do? They go off and they get married have no clear view of what a marriage is supposed to look like. We see it's supposed to look like me. I'm the wife, so I yell and degrade my husband. <laughs> okay, That's what I saw. Or I'm the son. I get mad and angry at, at the wife and the kids. You know, So that if you're raised in that environment, you don't know how to live. But the Word tells us how to live. You know, I love the fact that I don't have to worry that in my home it wasn't the best example for my children. You know, I didn't do everything right, but praise God, I have a, I have a God that covers all of my, my mistakes. I'm thankful that I can say to my daughter that I did some things wrong. You know, at the time I thought they were right, but I did some things wrong. This, the word gives you a good picture of how a family should, you know, should uh, uh, act. You know, I, I have to say, in frustration with my husband, sometimes I said I, I said some things to to Ruth. To sh- she knew at times I was I was discouraged at some of the stuff my husband did. You know, I'm sorry I did that. I wish I would not have done that. But you know what? God is bigger than anything I could have said. I've I've, I've repented of that. Just turning away from it. And it's funny when you turn away from things and you repent. Sometimes you see a clearer picture of what's going on. I, I share with my class at Bible College, there was a, a preacher that was telling a story of one of his um, preacher friends. And the preacher, his friend, he didn't give the name, so we'll just say Preacher Bob. Well, Preacher Bob was at the point where he was thinking that he was needing to get a new wife because his wife just was not a good preacher wife. You know, he was up at church a lot by himself, and she just didn't do what, what, what he thought a preacher wife should do. And he was at the point, he was, he was, he was 
Um, but this man, you didn't want to uncover Let me back it up for a minute. And this preacher wife had this very nice assistant that looked exactly what he needed. And I think that he even talked to the assistant, and nothing hinky went on, but maybe they were having an emotional relationship. But she, I think she was quick to point out the wife's, what the wife was lacking. And, um, and I, I don't think it, went, it didn't go very far except for just conversation. And so the man just went before the Lord and just said, Lord, am I supposed to divorce my wife? And that sounds kind of funny. Why would you get to the point where you think you're supposed to divorce your wife? Where does it say to divorce your wife? You know, and, but he got to that point. But he was honest before the Lord about that. And the Lord said to him, I want you to every day think of one nice thing about your wife. And I can't remember how long he was supposed to do it. It may have been a week or it may have been two weeks. I can't remember. It was kind of funny because the first day he tried to think of something good about her. He could not think of a thing. And so he said, Lord, I can't think of one good thing. There's nothing, nothing. And then the Lord just said, well, she's a good mother, isn't she? Yeah, good mother. And then the next day, he couldn't think of <laughs> He needed help from the Lord again. But needless to say, by the 10th day or whatever day it was, he started remembering all these wonderful qualities. He forgot all these good qualities she had. And he didn't have to ask the Lord. He fell back in love with his wife. You know, what we have a tendency to do is we look at the things that we don't like, and that becomes so big in our focus that we don't see the good. So the enemy wants us looking at the bad. You know, in a marriage, it has the wife looking at the bad in the husband, the husband looking at the bad, because, you know, the, he's a, the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser of the brethren in the house. Then you've got the kids looking. They're watching the whole thing. The kids know what's happening in a house. You think you're hiding it? Everybody knows when mommy or daddy is mad. Even if you're talking sweet. Okay. They know. They know. They know if their daddy loves their mama. They know if their mama respects their daddy. And we, and we get all upset because the schools, what well, they're teaching in the schools, what are we teaching in our house? You know, if we in our house would love one another, submit to one another, put that hedge of of protection around our kids, okay, then they're not going to be looking at an outside source for their needs. And it'll help them find a mate. It'll just help them all along, you know, it'll help them be better church members. So I want to encourage everybody, you know, submit to the word, submit to your leadership, Submit to one another. Submit to your spouse. And, 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 and if, you, if you're having a problem submitting, okay, ask the Lord to reveal to you what's my problem. And be honest. And sometimes, I know with me, you don't really realize, you know, I, I questioned why it bothered me. That, 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 when it, that scripture about um, being, obedient, dis, being disobedient, you know, that bothered me, but I never really asked <laughs> until years later. It sounds kind of funny. I was like, why did that bother me? And, and, and I don't, you know, and, and I'd, every once in a while that would come up, and I never got an answer to it until 
just in studying, I just saw. I, I was letting pride kind of get in my way. You know, um, get in, in, in my thought life. So it wasn't maybe I wasn't doing anything physically, but I was being disobedient in my thought life. And, and as I started to get my thought life obedient to the word, my thought life changed. I don't know if any of y'all were here. There was uh, that's how much time I got. I don't want to go over. Okay, okay. So when I was. Um, I, maybe a year or two ago, that's when I, I had a little prayer on, on God changed my mindset. And I even in my class, I wrote out something on that. You know, I would repeat that and I would say what kind of mindset I wanted. And it took, it probably, it took a while for my mindset. My mindset is changing to the word. Now, I am not perfect, so I don't want to say that. But I am, <laughs> I was way over there. <laughs> I've made a couple steps in my mindset being changed. And as my mindset gets changed, then I see more power operating in my life. I have more peace. I just, it, the, the word flows better than it ever has before. And for a woman, I can't tell you, you know, um, you know losing a husband and your, my whole life has changed. It is not the same that it was. And it's kind of funny, I can truly say this. You know, when when my daughter went off to college, you know, everyone was saying, oh, your house is going to be empty. You're going to be so lonely. I was like, no, I'm not going to be lonely. And you know what? I wasn't. Did I miss my daughter? Yes, I love to hear her singing. You know, I missed the house was so quiet. I loved that. But you know what? I loved having that time with the Lord. I loved having that time for me. You know, it's kind of like I'm starting a new new phase in my life and it's nice to have that time just to kind of figure out what you know what's what it's not time for me to you know and 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 we had a word that that i'm you know i know that i want to get married again um because i love being a wife but right now there's things i'm learning right now i don't want to get ahead of things i want to do things in the right order and for different people, when it comes to what I've experienced is different than what every. No one has had the same experiences. No one has had the same hurts. Everybody has been hurt at some point in their life. Everybody has been discouraged at one point in their life. Some have more than others. I want God to heal me and prepare me for the next step in my life. I don't want to rush to it. And it's kind of funny. When I look back, when I came to this church, and you know, I went from you know, a position of, of teaching and what I thought was a, you know, a powerful position. You know, what do you think? What do you think doesn't matter? And then I come in, and I, I was doing nothing, you know. And, and I have to tell you, when I was first doing nothing, it was weird. I'd never done nothing in a church in my life. You know, you start off in children's church. We start off in the nursery. Then you do children's church. Then you do youth group, and then you teach adults. You know, and uh, and you have these certain steps. You don't think you're going to do all these things, and then nothing. You don't go to Bible college and get prepared to do nothing. But you know what? 
I needed that time of nothing to get myself prepared. When I, that time of nothing to get for God to talk to me. That time of nothing, that quietness for God to say, you know what? You're not obedient in your thought life. You know, to say to me some things, you know, and it was, and it was so funny. And then when I did get asked to teach, I was like, oh, <laughs> wow, you know. Every other time I, I got asked to teach anywhere, it's about time, <laughs> you know. This time it was like, oh. You know, and that's refreshing to think that way. It was funny. You know, when the pastor came up and he asked me, he, he, he came to me and he goes, I'm wanting to give some people some opportunities. My first thought was, I'm gonna, he's going to have me not teach as much on Sunday. You know, maybe he wants to give another person some chances to think. Nothing in me thought that he wants me to, to teach to, you know, on, a, on, a, on a Wednesday. See, that's refreshing for me to think that way. I think that's the first time I've ever thought that way. You know, I, I, I don't know how to describe that, because when you're so full of yourself, you don't think, to th- you, you know, you pretend, you pretend humility. And I love the fact that I had some time for God to deal with me and to get me to see myself more clearly, to see myself through his eyes. And, um, and I think that my time's almost up. But I want to just encourage everyone here, get before the Lord, and get before the scripture. Ask the Lord what you should be doing. Ask the Lord who you should be submitting to. I can tell you one thing. Our pastor is always a good person to submit to. But there are other leaders in the, in, in the church. God can lead you to the right person for the right thing. Um, be willing to be touched by the word. And be willing to be touched by the body. You know, everyone at every level is tempted to pull back and protect themselves. God wants us to tear down the walls we put up for protection. And he wants us to, to in that submitting, we'll be, you know, we, we've had a word about being in unity. He wants this church to be in unity. He wants us to be a mighty force out there. God, the, God is going to bring hurt people into this church. And we need to be able to, to love them and encourage them and guide them in their walk. So the older ones should admonish the younger ones. And that's at all levels. The, the youth group should be admonishing the younger ones. And as you do those, and as you serve one another, we'll get closer and we'll get more knit together as a body. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening. And I want you to close with a prayer. I thank you, Lord, for your word, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you know all. And you're a loving Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you're bigger than any mistake that we can make. And your power can overcome any situation. I thank you, Lord, for your love for this body. And I thank you for the growth. I thank you for our pastors. I hope they're having a good time, Father. I hope this is a time of refreshing for them. In your name, amen. Thank you.